Chapter Six of Betty Baird's Golden Year by Anna Hamlin Weichel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Holly Jensen. Chapter Six: Betty's Golden Minute. Late the same afternoon, while Lois was writing to her father, Betty waited for her, cosily curled up in her window seat, book in hand, and alternately read and watched Edwina's roller skate cavortings on the flag walk just under her window mrs baird stopped as she passed the open door why betty she exclaimed reproachfully look at your room your hat not put away your coat on the bed and your hair betty scrambled to her feet and drew her mother in now mother darling just you sit on that comfortable seat while i explain i washed my hair this morning so i let everything else go mrs baird looked puzzled haven't you time she stopped at a loss oh yes plenty of time answered betty nonchalantly her eyes were full of mirth as she glanced around the room with the papers books and coat and hat scattered about on tables and chairs but mother i just can't keep my hair up the pins are always dropping out and somehow when my hair acts that way it takes away all my sense of responsibility it doesn't seem to make any difference whether school keeps or not ended betty as if clenching a brilliant and convincing syllogism mrs baird laughed in that case betty i'll put a little brilliantine on your brush and restore your normal moral sense at least until you put away your hat and that freshly laundered shirt-waist i suppose the other things are merely artistic disarray twas ever thus sighed betty dramatically clasping her flying hair in her two hands and inserting more hairpins comes of having puritan ancestors can't be shiftless for a single moment however the hat was thrust into its box and put away on the top shelf of the closet the coat was on its hanger in a trice and betty sat down by her mother and pointed out edwina's new accomplishment one of the farmer's children had joined her and they were having a keen competition with one skate apiece in spite of betty's airy disavowal of moral responsibility she had been thinking deeply and perhaps perplexedly about her encounter with mr webby for a time there was silence then betty slipped her hand into her mother's and spoke hesitatingly mother what is it dear she turned around expectantly she knew that betty had something on her mind when she began with that almost reluctant tone of questioning i saw i talked with the the webbies today yes mrs baird leaned forward then betty told her mother about her afternoon's experience i'm glad this has happened sweetheart said mrs baird i couldn't bear to think there was any one in the world you couldn't think kindly about you feel better about them now don't you betty played with her mother's ring smiling and shaking her head slowly i didn't have a word to say to mr webby and i don't know that i feel a bit better about him and his old library but i did pity her and i just thought why should she suffer for what her husband did she wasn't to blame for it it's the easiest thing in the world to vent our wrath on anybody connected with one who has injured us i wasn't sure that even mr webby's cat would be safe from you said mrs baird playfully then more seriously betty darling you must do your best to stamp out resentment 
if left to rankle there is almost nothing else that will hurt a fine nature so quickly and there's only one way to destroy it to love your neighbor as yourself otherwise there is no peace in the heart it seems to the young yes and to the old too a deep and hard philosophy but only love can make life broad and livable that's the reason we had the second part of the summary of the law betty shook her head rebelliously and started up i don't see how you can compel love and for such people as the webbies just think how unjust mr webby was to me putting me out of that position you don't need to compel it said her mother smiling at betty's hearty and natural distaste for the idea of trying to love the webbies it will compel you if every time you remember an injustice you try to think of some kind thing about the one who has done it and when possible do something for that person betty gave an incredulous whistle oh mother think something kind of mr webby betty was not the first to find that a hard saying mrs baird smiled at her daughter's vehemence sweetheart are you happy in your work with miss minturne she asked abruptly betty turned to her mother rather wonderingly why mother what a question you know i am perfectly happy i think it's wonderful the way it came about mrs baird's gentle eyes twinkled at the success of her little trap betty dear she asked didn't mr webby have something to do with bringing it all about betty looked at her mother suspiciously then a ripple broke over her face and she laughed appreciatively mother darling score one for you the joke's on me yes i'll have to give mr webby some of the credit though honestly i do it grudgingly the effort will be mechanical at first but not insincere mrs baird paused as if trying to recall something then with an amused smile she continued betty don't you remember that little book of your grandmother seabury's the poor rich man and the rich poor man you used to read it when you could barely spell out the words why of course i do betty ran to the bookcase i can put my hand on it in the dark it's on the top shelf with her fenelon's pious thoughts and young's night thoughts she took down the slender faded green book on whose narrow frayed back was the title in plain gold letters and opened it gaily at the first page and read to miss elizabeth seabury from her friend joseph lyman january first eighteen thirty betty laughed isn't that quaint to miss elizabeth seabury when grandmother was only six and isn't the writing beautifully plain and literary looking betty looked intently at the old-fashioned writing then turned over the leaves quickly but what made you speak of this she asked as her mother took the book don't you see betty that mr webby is the poor rich man now can't you give him the same consideration that you do our farmer john here just because he's poor and has a delicate wife we overlook a great many of his shortcomings but that seems different somehow said betty smiling as though she did see but was not willing to acknowledge it when it came to the pompous mr webby poor people have such hard times harry's been given a book as a prize by his schoolmaster and this is what he finds on the blank page as he shows it to his two girl friends mrs baird then read in her pleasant cultivated voice 
it gives me much pleasure to record here the diligence and success of my esteemed pupil harry aiken and still more to testify to his strict practice of the golden rule of this book do unto others as ye would they should do unto you oh i remember mother the girls were discussing it and little susie said this prize was for loving everybody here it is but i remember i loved harry because he said he didn't love everybody by a seaful now we'd say jugful then they proved he couldn't follow the golden rule without loving people that's what i wanted to find and mrs baird took the book again and turned over the pages he said his mother told him just to do a person a kindness to set about to make him happier and the love or something that would answer the purpose would be pretty sure to come i used to love that little book said betty she hesitated for she knew how her mother prized all keepsakes of her own mother's i love it now for it's so quaint betty patted the little volume but mother isn't it a trifle sunday schoolish you might do worse as miss jane says than to read some of these sunday schoolish books mrs baird laughed if you live up to the golden rule you won't find it a goody-goody living i assure you she added emphatically it takes pluck and plenty of it you know who inspired the words the bravest life ever lived finished mrs baird softly as betty sat down and leaned against her knee to keep the golden rule would make a golden life wouldn't it mother mine said betty abruptly playing absently with the book yes said her mother one might begin with a golden year then accumulate gold for a lifetime i'd rather try for a golden day first no a golden minute would be safer betty laughed i might possibly have a golden minute why not begin our gold hoarding this golden minute said mrs baird she took the little book and wrote lightly on the fly-leaf april thirtieth betty baird her golden year she looked at it thoughtfully for a moment then added this line from an early american poet pour blessings round thee like a shower of gold betty leaned over to watch her writing oh mother she cried catching her breath as the last word was put down it's like like taking a pledge she rose to her feet and stood over her mother kissing her hair and whispering i'll try mother dearest then shooting a mischievous glance backwards as she ran from the room she called over her shoulder but it would have been nice to stay at home with you in the silver lining library End of chapter 6 Recording by Holly Jensen